Hello, and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Tiffany Coker. Along with my dad, Pastor Jeff Cranston, we are seeking not only to help you know deep, solid biblical theology, but to know the Word of God and the promises of God that are given to us in His Word, all while holding to solid theological truths in your heart, soul, and mind. Before we get started today, I would like to take just a second to thank you, our listeners, for leaving ratings and reviews. We are so grateful because that is really what helps us get the word out to other people to hear about Kitchen Table Theology. We're also thankful for our friends at Columbia International University. For 100 years, CIU has been educating students from a biblical worldview with the goal of impacting the nations with the message of Christ. They have undergraduate, graduate, and seminary programs, both on campus and online, designed for working adults. You can check all of that out at ciu.edu. On today's podcast, we have a special guest with Pastor Jeff, Marquis Laughlin. Marquis is the founder of Acts of the Word Ministries, a nonprofit ministry dedicated to transforming people's lives through the words of the Bible. Marquis travels all over the United States performing dramatic solo scripture presentations. We had the pleasure of hosting Marquis at Low Country Community Church here in Bluffton, South Carolina last Sunday, which was July 16th. If you wanna go back and view his presentation of the book of Genesis, you can do that at lowcountrycc.org. We'll also link more information about Marquis and his ministry in our show notes. Pastor Jeff has known Marquis for almost 25 years now, and I invite you to listen in on this first part of their conversation as Marquis shares with us a little bit about his ministry. They'll wrap up their conversation on Kitchen Table Theology next week. Let's go ahead and get started. Thanks for joining us at the table. Well, hello again, everybody. Kitchen Table Theology, welcome. This is Pastor Jeff Cranston, and so delighted that you have joined us yet again for another episode. Today's going to be a very special one. We have as our guest today, Marquis Laughlin. Marquis, founder of Acts of the Word Ministries, which is a ministry dedicated to performance, I guess we could say, of the Word of God. And we'll unpack that a little bit in a minute. But they're really dedicated to transforming people's lives through the words of the Bible. Marquis is a performance artist, a theologian, and a missionary to the church in America. And we're going to have to unpack that one, aren't we? A missionary to the church in America. And he has these uniquely compelling, captivating, dramatic, solo, scriptural presentations, unlike anything you've ever heard before. I know some of you know Marquis, will be well aware of his ministry, but many may not be. He has memorized seven complete books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Ecclesiastes, Daniel, John's Gospel, Acts of the Apostles, and Revelation. So for those of us who have a hard time remembering phone numbers, it's absolutely amazing. He keeps a very active touring schedule where he presents God's Word in theaters, at conferences, and houses of worship. And he has presented God's Word all over the world, from uh, seminaries to, I love this, the Gospel of Mark at the Forum of Trajan in Rome, Italy. That had to be incredible. And in England at the Hampton Court Midsummer Festival, the Book of Revelation and his passions to inspire audiences to act out the words they hear. He's dedicated to bringing the good news of the gospel to everybody who listens. And his ministry is also very involved in bringing relief, tangible relief, to some of the poorest children in the world. 
Marquis lives with his family in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Marquis, we are delighted that you are with us today at Kitchen Table Theology. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's a blessing to be here. I appreciate you having me. Tell us a little bit about your family. You live with them in Pittsburgh and you've lived in Pittsburgh for how many well, years now? You guys, about four, 14 years now. Yeah, yeah. We moved right after our third uh, child was born and he's 15 now. So yeah, we've been here a bit and we've moved to be close to my wife's parents and we have three kids, two in college and one in high school, a uh, boy, girl, boy. And so we're blessed, we're busy and we're, we have schedules. And every parent is uh, nodding their head in, in appreciation and they feel it right there. Right, where right. were you? So you live in Pittsburgh now, where were you born? Where were you raised? Uh, born and raised in Gig Harbor, Washington, a small town between Seattle and Tacoma, basically the Northwest. And I grew up there and went to Washington State University, Eastern Washington. And then I moved down to LA to pursue fame and fortune in film. I was going to be a film actor. And then one of my roommates was going to John MacArthur's church and he brought me there one Sunday and bought me a Bible. And I started to really, really sense God's had some plan for me that, and I wasn't on it yet. So that's how it all started. Yeah. That's how it starts for, for a lot of us. Is that what ended up eventually bringing you to Christ or had you yeah, grown I, up in I, church? I just opened, yeah, going to sitting there listening to John MacArthur every Sunday and then looking at what you were trying to pursue apart from God. You just really, my eyes opened to the futility of what I was trying to chase. And I had a sense because I was raised in a, in the church and I knew people in the church were committed more than I was, and I had not fully committed my life. And I always had a sense that God had some sort of plan for my life. Maybe that was just instilled in me. And I was resisting. And I just finally got to the point where I said, okay, you, you drive, I'll sit over here. <laughs> and for some of us, it takes a lot. It takes different things for each of us. But I was at the end of the rainbow, and I was seeing how unhappy people were who had what I thought I wanted. And that really helped me to go, maybe this isn't the route to go. And I just was overwhelmed by a sense of futility and that I was really wasting my life and my time. And I knew that the Lord, following the Lord was, that was for me, the huge appeal, saved me out of this sense of waste of my time and my life and whatever gifts I have, I, I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do with them. So yeah, that drove me. Mm -hmm. Now, so growing up in Gig Harbor as a little boy, I, I grew up as many little boys did. All I want to do was be a major league baseball player. I still, at, at this age, I still don't know where that went wrong. When you were growing up, is this what you thought? you'd be doing with your life or were you always thinking? Well, I, I love boxing and I loved, I was good oh. at it. And I just thought, Hey, maybe I'll be the next, next boxing star. So that was my big thing. And then the Lord just, we moved from Tacoma to Gig Harbor and it was just too far a drive to get me there every day. And so I couldn't train with people who were going to the Olympics and stuff. That was a really good coach there. So that, that kept me from that quote unquote dream as it were, but that was God's grace I see now. So that was my dream growing up, but I didn't have any idea that I would be doing this until really I got in high school and I started, I started doing speech tournaments, forensics, and we would do, I did oral interpretation, which is prose and poetry reading. And you would go around the, 
the state and compete two, three times a week at different, at different schools and then be the state tournament. And, and I did really well at that. I won state every year and, and I went to nationals a couple of times. And I remember sitting down with my high school counselor saying, okay, what do you want to, where do you want to go to school? What do you want to do? Let's take a look at this. Let's plan your collegiate career. And I remember laughing saying, Hey, can I do this stuff? I'm winning all these trophies and stuff. Can I, let's figure out how I can do that for a living. And we both laughed and said, okay, let's pick something practical. So I went to Washington (laughs) state university and I got into the communications program because they're known for producing broadcasters and journalists. So that was the plan. That was going to scratch my itch, but I was actually going to be able to make a living smart, do something with some wisdom. And of course I got there, I got into the dramatic arts program and uh, started doing plays and just kept looking at how ridiculous it was. Do I really, I don't want to be an actor. Do I really, Uh, you know what I mean? I I appear to have some gifts there. And, And then when I finished there, I said, let me go for it. Let me go down to LA and let me, let me get into film acting. Let me, I just feel like I'm supposed to be doing this. I don't know exactly how. So when I got to LA to pursue that, the God really got a hold of me and said, okay, you need to find out why I put this on your heart and you need to let me take control of this thing. He really, that, that was what overwhelmed me. So that's how we started. You might have an odd gift. You might be listening to this and go, why is God giving me an interest in this? And it makes no practical sense, no financial sense. Nobody's going to say, Hey, that's a good idea. And when people ask you how that's going to work, you don't know, but it's there for a reason and it's there for God's glory. Really, my advice to anybody is to try to get, try to work as hard as you can at getting as good as you can at, at whatever that is. And God is going to bring fruit from it and glorify himself through it. So it will, it's not there as a waste. God's put it on you and put it in you because there's a time for it to come out. So use the time between you understanding how it's going to work and and what the plan is. Use all that confusion time to try to get better at what you're doing. Make it better so that when it comes out, it it will glorify God. So that's the best remedy for bumping up against the frustration of having an odd gift that you don't know where it is or an odd interest. You could spend all day thinking about how this makes no financial sense and I shouldn't do this. Don't spend all day. God's got that figured out somewhere down right. the road. You don't need to know that. Just yeah. try to get as good as you can, as fast as you can, because you'll always wish. It's like every pastor that I've ever talked to always wish they went to school a little longer. They learned a little more before they became pastors. You know what I mean? We would love to be Michael Jordan in seventh grade and know you're going to be mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, what would he be working on? He'd be working on his three-point shot. He'd be working on all of these parts of his game that he worked on when he got there to improve because he'd know, hey, I'm going to need to be that much better because God's promised it to you. It's coming out. So let try to work as hard as you can at, at being as skillful as you can. So when those opportunities come up, God can really use you to, to glorify it. That's great counsel, great wisdom. You, I'm sure you've helped a n- number of people with that right there. And to go back to the Jordan thing, I believe he was cut from the basketball team in ninth grade. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It was still out there for him. He had to keep going. That's great. Thank you for for sharing all that. That gives us a little bit of the background that at some point, somewhere along the line, you must have decided that God was leading you to begin memorizing entire books of the Bible 
And then that led to you, because I've known you for 25 years, being down at the Holy Land experience, that was in there among other things mm -hmm. in Orlando, Florida, mm -hmm. and then to taking it on the road. So did the memorization start just for you personally, and it, it grew into you presenting it publicly or? Well, where, it was, where did it that was Bible study for me. I started digging into the end times like everybody that got saved in the, in the 90s. You get into the end times, you're doing the Left Behind series and you're studying all the stuff. And I was frustrated because I was, I had all John MacArthur's stuff and I had R.C. Sproul's and I had David Jeremiah's. I had all of the major preachers 20, 30 years ago. I had all of their teachings on the end times. And I was frustrated because they weren't agreeing with each other. And they were godly men who I respected tremendously and still do. And there was just a lot of confusion. And I was getting into it so much that I could read people's books. And so I thought, well, if I can see that reading these guys stuff, and I'm passionate about this, and I want to actually try to share this message of the end times in some sort of creative way. How do I know I'm not going to write a book and somebody's going to read you know, or, or write a screenplay and somebody's going to look at it? go, ooh, bad holes. So I got convicted. I thought, these guys are having trouble. Then I really need to know my stuff. And the, that's when the Lord really put it on my heart that the scripture is true. That's 100% truth. So yeah. let's put more of that in and you'll be able to screen out and stay away from the places you don't know as much about. And you know what I mean? You'll be a lot more discerning and equipped if more of the scripture. So that's what began the process. I had a roommate who was living with at the time, not the guy who brought me to church. We were all three going to this, the, to John's church, but he wanted to memorize Romans. And I thought, oh, interesting. How about you, you memorize Romans, I'll memorize Revelation. And so we started every week quoting what we had memorized. It was, we were trying to average about a half a chapter a week, which is a lot looking back at it, but we were committed. And I think we got up through chapter five or six and he faded away. And I got convicted that by chapter four or five, I realized that Revelation kept, I kept quoting, blessed is he who reads, blessed are those who hear this. But I realized, I don't think I'm going to write something better, more accurate than that. This is what I need to be saying to people, literally. But that's yeah. the best way to get it. Actually, just quote it. And I, thought, I, and I just built my confidence in that. And so I took about two years to memorize Revelation, working on it. I'd had a 45 minute commute to work and I'd listen to half of it on the way in and then a half it on the way back and I'd try to keep up with it. And then after a while I started getting it. And I learned a lot about memorization just in those two years because I started studying it, trying to figure out what's the best way and what, what are some techniques. So it was a process, but God just kept, and I, I, people are going, why are you memorizing? I don't know. I think I'm supposed to present it dramatically, but I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know where I'm going to go. And they would just look at me like, yeah, good plan. Good luck with that. <laughs> but keep oh, your well. day job. <laughs> right. Keep your day job because you're going to need it. So I just kept going and God, God opened doors, got me somebody to that knew I've been working on it for a while and they knew a director and they got me a director and they were a producer. And so we put it up for about maybe 200 of our friends over a couple of weekends at an art gallery. And we debuted it in Venice Beach, California in 1994. Yeah. And so I was as scared as you can be and yeah. got through it. And it, I thought, okay, great. And then I started to 
shared at different churches and conferences and colleges and part-time. And then full-time, I started in New Jersey. I went to work with Max McLean. He was doing, he was doing Genesis and Mark's gospel at the time, he, before he got into all the C.S. Lewis stuff. And so I, he was the only pers other person on the planet at that time that I knew was actually presenting scripture. There were two or three other people, but it was pretty, everybody was a little kind of part-timing it and he was full-time. So I thought, let me go to work for him and learn. So that's what I did. And that's when I met, I think that's when we met when mm -hmm. I was still with Max and you were uh, right. in Wisconsin church. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, and Max kitchen table theologian, if you're not familiar with Max McLean, you may be familiar with the recent C.S. Lewis movie called The Most Reluctant Convert, mm -hmm. and Max plays C.S. Lewis. And if you have not seen that, I think we would both highly recommend that you carve out about an hour and a half <laughs> or so and watch that. It's just great. Max does a great job. The first time I heard anybody do what you do, Marquis, it was Max, mm -hmm. and it was in the 80s, and he presented the Acts of the Apostles. Yeah. And I was on staff at a church, and I remember hearing the announcement, this guy's coming, and he's going to recite the book of Acts. And were I not on staff, I wouldn't have gone. Right, right. And I'm just like, this is going to be we're, the worst. We're all honest. We're honest. We're like, yeah, yeah, it is that it does come with a low expectation. People walk in and say, okay, I'm going to make an appearance. I'm going to try yeah. to fall asleep. Yeah, and it's a terrible thing as a Christian to think, yeah. To that, but I'm like, oh my word, this is going to be. And I got out my Bible because the senior pastor said, you can follow, or I think Max said, get yeah. your Bible out, follow along. Yeah. And yeah. I did. I thought, this guy's probably going to be all over. Yeah. I was mesmerized. It felt like it took 10 minutes for him to do the entire book of Acts. I'd never, there's something that happens when you hear it. Right as opposed to you reading it. And I remember the first time I heard you do the book of Revelation, the thing that just jumped out at me was the evangelistic appeal of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. Come to me, come. Oh, I oh. never read it, yeah, but I heard it yeah. again and again. And it's just, there's something about hearing the word as opposed to just reading the word. Yeah. You have presented it all over the place, all over the world. What's been some of the memorable places of the Venice, your first one? Tell us about the opportunity to present Mark's gospel at the Forum of Trajan. Yeah, they Rome. were doing the wow. um, American Bible Society was doing a, the International Bible Society, IBS, was doing a reading of Mark's gospel in the Roman form of Trajan. And oh, Trajan, they, sorry. Okay. They wanted to have a representative from every, from a 10 countries, basically reading the scriptures, 10 countries that were instrumental in it, that God used to put it together. So they needed an American representative. They needed, they had an Italian couple. They had a guy from Germany. They had another person from, I believe Israel. They had 10 of us and they basically had scouted around and figured out who could we get to that? Who's doing this? They called Max up and invited him, and Max had some big booking he was already scheduled for. So he looks at me and he goes, you want to go to Rome? It <laughs> hurt, but he, he said, okay, let's do it. So they said, okay, we'll take your B guy. We'll take yeah. your Yeah. So I, I was able to do that. And so it was such a blessing. It was amazing. We all read 
we were at different places. It was celebrating 2,000 years of the gospel in Rome since Paul had come to share. Wow. Um, wow. So it was in the year 2000, and they were they, that was a big deal. So they had all the media there, and we were all at different places set up in the the form of Trajan there. And we were all reading Mark's gospel at the same time. And so they were shooting it, and they mixed it all together, and it went out internationally. So it was really, it was a blessing. Very cool. Yeah. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, please check out our show notes. If you have a question from today's podcast, kindly email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.